Welcome to And Then Some, a podcast by Solomon McCown and Company, where we discuss everything integrated communications. Have you ever been a victim of the old bait and switch, been sold a bill of goods? Well, then you're going to like this episode on the Fire Music Festival. We're calling it Dumpster Fire, Lessons in Social Media Marketing from the Famously Doomed Festival. Hi, everyone. I'm TJ Winnick. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Master-Batista. So let's get this party started. And today we are joined by our colleagues, Reva Chessis and Jackson Murphy. Great to have you guys here. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. So today we're talking about the Fire Festival and uh, how it's become really sort of a, a case study in uh, what you shouldn't do when promoting an event on social media. So first, let's set this up for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Fire Festival was, when it was supposed to be, who was involved, and uh, any other sort of details that can sort of set this up for folks? Sure. So just to set the stage, uh, Billy McFarland, who was the CEO of what was called Fire Media, he, together with the rapper Ja Rule, uh, they were creating this app, which was for booking uh, music and other talent. And they were going to put on this music festival, the Fire Festival, to promote this app that they were creating. So the festival was supposed to be from April 28th to 30th and May 5th to 7th. So two weekends on- What year? Of 2017. Okay. Um, in the Bahamas on the island of Great Exuma. So- Sounds, sounds uh, exotic. Yeah. It was supposed to be very exotic. So they were promoting this fire festival using Jerry Media. If you're familiar with uh, the Instagram account F Jerry, they're behind that popular meme sharing, quote sharing account. Um, so they were promoting this festival using different social media influencers, really, really um, top names. People like Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner were all marketing this festival and they were talking about how amazing it was going to be. They were sharing videos. They had a whole strategy um, that promoted the festival, which we can get into a little bit later. But essentially when people did end up coming to the festival in the Bahamas, they were expecting a luxury experience with villas and gourmet food and ended up coming to this deserted area with no infrastructure disaster relief tents instead of actual villas um, and pretty much just plain pieces of bread with cheese on it as <laughs> what was supposed to be their gourmet food. And it was just a complete disaster. It was a free-for-all, Lord of the Flies equivalent situation. Unsafe, honestly, and a complete disaster. Yeah, and it resulted in um, investors and workers and... Um, customers being frauded and uh, not fully compensated for... Yeah, a lot uh, of people left unpaid, yeah. even currently in the Bahamas. But yeah. yeah, we're talking about it now because these two documentaries just came out, one on Netflix and one on Hulu. Um, and it's actually interesting. There's a conflict of interest a little bit with the Netflix one. Right. So Jerry Media, which, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, known for 
the FJRE accounts on Instagram and the memes and um, all of those uh, joke accounts um, led the marketing strategy for this festival that really didn't deliver uh, what it said it would. Um, and they actually had a hand in promoting the in producing the Netflix documentary. Um, so there's one piece of conflict of interest in there in assessing the credibility of the documentary that came out. And in addition to that, Hulu released its own documentary a few days before Netflix uh, had announced that it was going to put theirs out. So it was this big scoop and created a lot of um, a lot of buzz around this festival, and people are still talking about it even two years later. It was a pretty pretty brilliant social media strategy. And t- can you talk a little bit about how they did that? Yeah. So their strategy was, you know, how do we how do we disrupt your newsfeed? And they basically had all of the influencers on their list that they had agreed to participate. They had them all upload essentially a orange tile. So just like a picture of the color orange, they all uploaded at the same time to their Instagram accounts. And it was this, um, you know, very uniform timed release. And if you clicked on the orange tile, it would then show you this beautifully produced video of the Bahamas, of swimming with pigs, of all these luxury experiences. Um, But essentially, if you followed any of these influencers, especially multiple of these influencers, all of a sudden your feed was just completely overloaded with this orange tile and everywhere you scrolled, you would just be seeing it. So the point was to cause a major disruption on your feed and get you to stop in your tracks and click on the ad. And they were completely successful in doing that. So successful actually that thousands of people spent thousands of dollars buying tickets, buying villas, buying experiences in order to come to this festival. Um, so yeah, it was really a brilliant social media strategy. Yeah, they really capitalized on something that our generation likes to call FOMO. <laughs> Fear of missing out on the experience of um, having this great festival, swimming with pigs, and um, really enjoying um, the Bahamas. Yeah, 100%. And they, you know, they tuned into what it is that people of our generation are, you know, kind of doing all day scrolling through social media and what gets you to stop when our, you know, attention spans are decreasing, uh, et cetera. So that was really, really smart on their end. I think they purposefully chose, you know, the ugliest color, you know, what's going to cause us to say, oh my gosh, what is this? And that was just the orange tile. So it's funny thinking about, you know, colors and, and they all have very, you know, significant meanings to them and the the advertising world. And I know um, one of my former uh, agencies I worked at in Hollywood, we had an orange wing. And um, the reason behind choosing that color was that it was supposedly energizing and, um, you know, creates competition too. So that was kind of interesting that they chose the color orange. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, In college, I studied a little bit about um, colors and fonts and all that type of thing. And, and blue was a color that was more high-end and luxury and things like yellow and red, you know, like the McDonald's Food. logo, for example. Yeah. Exactly. They, they're supposed to, you know... Make you hungry. Make you hungry <laughs> and put... You know, you really do connect emotions and thoughts with, with colors and with smells and visuals, you know, more than you would maybe think. So how did this the festival's failure 
um, affect the reputations of these promoters and influencers and everybody involved, or did it affect their reputations? Yeah, well, I think we learned, especially through the Fire Festival, is that social media and influencer marketing is a really great, great way to amplify your brand. But the stakes get higher as your audience grows. And your audience expects that you're going to be giving them uh, trustworthy and credible information. So once the fire Festival um, fell apart, a lot of these um, influencers and popular celebrities um, had to do some reputation management around um, their involvement in promoting it. Yeah, and they were, you know, people like I would mentioned before, like Bella Hadid, who were promoting it and who have, you know, extreme followings, you know, in the millions, they quickly issued social media apologies, basically saying, you know, this is not the experience that I was led to believe that it was. And I'm sorry for anyone that was affected by it. Um, they kind of tried to distance themselves as quickly as possible from having an affiliation with um, basically the disaster that it turned out to be and saying, you know, if I had known that this is what the outcome was going to be, I wouldn't have been involved with it. And I would have done my part to, sh to spread the word. Um, just kind of saying, you know, this was, this was what I was doing as a job and it was not intended to be this disaster as best as they could. There's also a few lawsuits currently pending. Um, some of these models might have to kind of give up the records of what they were paid and give up some of the information about the conversations that they had in order um, for investigators to truly get to the bottom of of this scheme and see who was really involved and, and how deeply. So that's currently ongoing. There are a number of lawsuits actually ongoing. Wow. So as a user of social media, what have we learned from uh, Firefest in terms of how we can spot either news that, you know, isn't real, isn't credible um, and what's coming from, you know, an untrustworthy source? Yeah, so there are a number of ways that you can validate a claim or look into the authenticity of a post. Um, first, talking about photos, there are a few great ways to look into photos. First is in a simple reverse Google image search. Um, you can go to images.google.com and upload the photo that you want to search, and then you can tell you know, if that photo was actually taken the day that it says it was taken, or if it was from seven years ago, and it's now coming back into circulation. Um, that's something you, that you should be aware of. Um, and your gut will tell you too, just off the bat, if you're looking at something and you say, huh, this looks like it's too good to be true, or this person, you know, looks, doesn't look their age for some reason, or whatever it is, you know, if something feels and looks off, it's, it's worth looking into further. Another way to look at images is if there's anything warped or distorted in the image. If you see in the background that the curb is bent a little bit under the car or whatever it is, that's a great indicator that the image has been photoshopped, um, probably poorly, because <laughs> you're not supposed to see that in a photo. Um, and also if, if you're looking at, let's say, a picture of a beautiful landscape and everything, both near and far, in the image is in clear focus, that's a good indicator that it's been photoshopped because no camera can make everything be perfectly in focus. 
Um, in terms of things that are fake news, uh, Snopes and other websites out there can help you very easily authenticate the validity of a claim or of a piece of news. And so you can, if you're interested in Snopes, you can go to snopes.com or you could Google search um, fake news spotting websites and they'll help you find different websites to input that claim or fact. Um, and then lastly, you can refer to a media bias chart um, which will help you look into how left or right leaning a particular source that you're getting your news from is just so that you can know and understand where that content is coming from. So you can then make your own opinion based on all of that information. All right. So what are our kind of top takeaways? You know, what can communicators and, and everybody really learn from the fire festival and you know what are what are sort of the most important things to to know going forward you know and how do you protect your yourself and your organization from being involved with something like this yeah so first and foremost um i'd recommend that building trust and credibility is the cornerstone of good communications this should be a guiding principle in all aspects of PR and marketing, from planning an event and promoting it to managing issues and reputations when things go awry. Um, really build that trust with your stakeholders and your audiences. Secondly, it's important to have a plan in place. Um, what we learned and saw from the Fire Festival documentary is that the uh, the teams putting it together didn't really anticipate what was coming, but moving from one thing to the next, or they were putting out fires uh, more than they were putting on the festival, if you uh, excuse the pun. <laughs> and then third, I would say that um, it's important to be critical of the media you're consuming, whether it's on social media, um, something from a news source, and if it's something that's coming directly from a brand to you, um, you want to be critical of uh, what you're reading to make sure that um, you're getting the most trustworthy news. Even, you know, thinking about how Netflix was produced by Jerry Media, knowing that was something that really helped me uh, when I objectively looked at that documentary. You know, Hulu kind of said, hey, by the way, this Netflix documentary that's about to come out was produced by Jerry Media. And so that helped me kind of contextualize what it was that they were showing me. And I was able to better understand the perspective that they were giving to me. Um, I would also add that social media and influencer marketing is very you know, it's a great tool and a really successful and effective way to amplify your brand. But, you know, as Jackson was saying before, the stakes can get higher when your audience grows. And those social media influencers really should take it seriously. Um, they're called influencers for a reason. They do have real influence and they should therefore really know and understand what it is that they're promoting before they put their names behind it. Yeah. And well, TJ's getting a bit punchy over here. <clears throat> it's Friday, <laughs> Friday <laughs> afternoon. There's some giggles going on. But um, also, I'll add to that point, just, you know, in terms of how you can kind of spot a fake influencer, um, you know, when you're looking at an influencer's profile on Instagram, because there's, you know, everyone's an influencer these days. And it's really easy for, you know, anyone to really go out and buy you know, 10,000, 20,000 followers and poof, all of a sudden you have an influencer account. Um, so how do you separate, you know, that from someone who's got, you know, kind of really organic growth and followers who really care about what they're doing? 
um, taking a look at who their followers are. You know, is it mostly sort of like fake accounts and profiles with no no pictures? Um, you know, taking a look at some of the accounts that follow the influencer will give you an idea of whether they're real people or not. You know, where are they based? Um, and then also looking at, you know, a red flag is if someone has um, 100,000 followers and they only get, you know, 20 likes on each picture, there's probably something going on there where, you know, their their fans just aren't engaging with them because they're either not real people or uh, they're not interested in their content. So there's definitely things you can look for to that end as well. Um, but thank you both for talking about this. If you want to learn more about Fire Festival, I encourage everybody to check out Reva's blog, which is up on our website at solomonmccown.com in our, our blog section. Um, so you can find it there and definitely, you know, check out the documentaries. Um, it's great. Great. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Thanks. DJ. Thank you. Thank you.